everybody, and welcome back to another episode here on Sticks and Bones with your ghost host, Chelsea and Ten. Hi, Ten. How are you? I am great. I am great, and I'll tell you why. I'm winning my beetle battle on the garden. Garden update. These are the Dirt Diaries stories. Gung gung. What happened? You didn't, you know, I've been on the phone with you three times today and I swear we each save something for the podcast episode. Like when you guys listen to the paranormal uh, Rhode Island episode that we posted last week, I didn't tell 10 until we were on the podcast. We're oh. getting really good at like being like shocked. You know what I mean? <laughs> I got to get some live reactions here, man. So I was like, you know what? And, and so this did happen yesterday and I was like, you know what? I, I could Chelsea, tell Chelsea, I could Chelsea, I could tell Chelsea right now or... I'm going to save it. So yesterday I was laying up on the roof. Um, I'm trying to get like a base burn tan before I go to Mexico next week. Mm -hmm. And I was gardening and I was like, okay, so I'm in my bathing suit. I have my gardening gloves on, you know, what a look. It's a vibe. It's It's happy girl summer still. It's still August. It is. And all I need is like a big floppy hat really to complete the look. But I'm on my hands and knees because I, it became a personal offense yesterday that I was still losing to these goddamn beetles. The neem oil is helping, but I literally went hands and knees under every single leaf of my pumpkin plant. I have eradicated 98% of them. So, you know, my theory now that I've studied around beetles, remember how you were saying to me, oh, Chelsea, I don't have any beetles. I was like, and then you told me they were like, on your plants yes i already felt like they had done their deed and i i like this topic freaks me out so i don't want to go into detail they had done what they needed to do to your plants (laughs) like that's why yours were so much worse but yeah i'm happy you've eradicated them um hands i don't have any more either i i found all of the eggs i was like no no get off of my pumpkin plants i mm, we're done and as i was coming through I found my first little pumpkin. You did. Oh, see, there's a happy ending. This there, is what you wanted to see my live reaction for. I did. I'm going to send you a photo afterwards, but we have baby pumps. Okay, we have wait baby a minute. Pumpkins. Wait a minute. I'm not going to tell you congratulations. No, don't tell me. I don't oh, want it. No, I am superstitious. <laughs> I still haven't told 10 congratulations for her dissertation yet because it's still not like fully. You I don't make edits still. I don't want you to say congratulations. No, edits are done. I, I don't want edit. I don't want congratulations until I have like the hard copy of my book. Okay. So, you know, what's funny. This thought went through my head today. I was like, I need to ask 10 the update on her dissertation because I've, I've not given her a card. I have not done anything because I'm that superstitious of like, I get you, man. It's not done until it's finished for me. So I don't like, I hope you thought of a name for your pumpkin, but like also don't tell us until it like starts growing no. more. I, that's why I'm like, I had to give an update. I'm, I will only show you what the size is, but like only once I have harvested said pumpkins, will I yeah. post them like every man on a dating app with like the fishing photo. That's sense. what I'm going to do with my pumpkin. <laughs> I, but like, that's something to be proud of. That's so cool. And yeah, I'm not going to say anything yet. I'm excited. I await more good news and information but right now it's just still in the growing phase so it is i uh no congratulations for you i don't want it save it (laughs) i uh i also thought of you because i had uh some squash come in they're almost ready but i was like why are you not pollinating for chelsea man oh i had to throw my squash plant out (gasps) 
I know it was just, it was too much. I think it was the container that I had it in. I, it just, I, I just know what I need to do next time. And there was just no saving my squash plant. So I understand that I failed in that area, but I have successfully kept my marigolds away from the beetle infestation, the plague that hit me first, then hit 10 second. And then <laughs> my tomatoes are thriving and I have all my herbs outside. I'm very happy. I'm actually making sauce as we speak. It's simmering on my uh, oh, stove nice. with my fresh basil. I know I'm making some sauce and I'm going to have it with some zucchini later. So um, I, I came home it. from like this bachelorette trip and I do what every Italian does. I go in my fridge. I'm like, I have no sauce. I have no frozen <laughs> sauce. I have nothing. So I had to like quickly put it together today. But my house smells great. That cooking is truly the best like air fragrance ever. Oh my God. I made, um. so I've obviously you could probably tell in my voice, I've been a little sick. I have like a cold. Mm-hmm. I made homemade soup yesterday, even though it was 90 degrees out, you know, when you're just sick and you really yes. need soup. something and I doused it in hot sauce and it really helped. I, so when my mom was here, uh, it was either for my graduation or Christmas. It might've been both, honestly. Um, Pilar always makes me a pot of soup and then I freeze it no. because anytime me or Kevin will get sick, I'll pop that bitch right out of the freezer, defrost it. And I'm like, cause like when you're sick, you're just like, mom, I want soup. Like mm-hmm. Pilar soup will cure all that thing will grow back a limb. I, I believe it. I was, this reminds <laughs> me. Um, I think when I was at your house, your mom was making soup. She literally was making soup. Yeah, I was there. We were doing stuff for the store and your mom was in the kitchen chit-chatting and she was making soup randomly and it was so cute. (laughs) But I was leaving my parents' house. Um, So when I, I know we filmed the Rhode Island episode um, a while ago. When I was leaving my parents' house that weekend, um, because they were watching Pluto for me, I leave my mom's house and Mm -hmm. it is inevitable that when you leave an Italian family's house that you get gifted random. My mom's like, you want these black beans? We have a case of black beans. Bush's <laughs> beans. Bush's baked beans. I'm like, what am I going to do with Bush's baked beans? Like, Then she's trying to give me her frozen sauce that she made. She had like half a thing of frozen sauce. My dad made homemade pretzels. He's like, you got to take all these 16 pretzels. I'm like, I don't have room in my freezer for these things. Like, I, What am I going to do with baked beans? What am I going to do with them? Please tell me. Even for the uh, apocalypse, man. I don't my know. What time? <laughs> she literally gave me and i'm so grateful because like sometimes you need these things yes a whole she went to costco and i guess bought like more than one you know like the cascade tablets that you put in your dishwasher oh yeah he gave me one of those and my dad's like you're giving away all our shit (laughs) she's just like here take this take that lotion razors like whatever you need and my mom just like randomly gives things away oh yeah now that my sister moved uh back to california uh my mom was saying like when they finally got their housing together uh when my sister and brother-in-law like moved out and got their place my mom was just loading up bags for them like the bowels of the pantry you know the spots that have never seen the light of day Yeah, like chickpeas like when you have too many (laughs) cans of chickpeas my sister goes why is mom putting all it why is she giving everything away i i don't know it's like it's um it's a canon event for moms like i know when i if i ever want to be a mom one day it's something that i do i do it to my brother he came here i gave him like all the herbs outside i made him like a fruit plate when he came to my house he was only here for like an hour we were going to see the barbie movie but it's like inherently just like this thing that you do when you get older. oh my god yeah my sister when 
Cause she drove across country and she stopped at my place before she was like, here's all these bags of like cleaning supplies and like oh, that's toilet nice. paper and like all this kind of stuff. And I was like, thank you. Like, I, like, I appreciate it. I, I listen, I didn't take the bushes beans cause I don't need a whole case of beans in my closet. What am I going to do with that? But I appreciate <laughs> they have a lot of barbecues and things like that. I just yeah. don't need, I don't need beans. So that's where mm-hmm. I'm at. Yeah. But how are you? How are you doing? Well, I told Tom the story already, but <laughs> guys, I've had a wild day and I feel like every time I get on the podcast. Is this sticks and bones without one of us ready to get God on the phone? <laughs> I had a good day. No, it was just crazy. So um, I will tell you the story later because it goes with like a portion of the episode that we're saving for later. But I had a wild necromancy encounter with King Hades and Hikate today. And it was just insane like i have performed greco-roman necromancy before but i was doing it today for a client reading and i actually had to stop because i had made a necromancer no no uh or they had made a necromancer no no i'm gonna blame the gods because i did everything i had to do and it was to teach me something so that i can talk about it sometimes i swear i call myself the guinea pig where it's like you know me i try all forms of spirit communication um, but I will talk about it later because I actually, it ties in with like the necromancy stuff that Ten and I are launching in the store, um, on Friday, September 1st, by the way. So we'll talk about it at the end, but yeah, I'm going to be clickbaity. I'm going to make you wait to the end of the episode. But other than that, my day's been good, but I was telling Ten the story and she like literally almost fell off her chair. <laughs> I was like, man, necromancer beware. I told you they were, they are going to be a spicy. <laughs> it was, yeah. Um, And, you know, when you do shop with us September 1st and you do get the Necromancer box, we do have a whole Necromancer beware disclaimer that's coming with it Um, and very, very, very implicit instructions on modernizing Hellenism and this necromancy practice. And this is, you know, I'm going to say this, um, what we're going to be talking about at the end, it is a very advanced form of spirit communication. So we'll, we'll, we'll go into the whole spiel at the end, but I feel like, you know, it ties in with today's episode perfectly chef's kiss it does oh so, so chelsea dive what in. are we what are we diving into like what are the good people expecting okay so this episode came about because i've been getting so many questions mm-hmm. on you know how am i a high priestess for king hades because how does that exist chelsea if we are not in ancient Greece. Um, And it's something that I've been wanting to talk about for a while. And I think this is like the perfect time to do it. Like the fall equinox is coming up. We got Mm -hmm. the necromancy stuff. We've been practicing necromancy more. Um, And obviously when you think of King Hades, you think of necromancias, you think of necromancy and you think of the underworld. So today we're going to, you also think of Hecate, you know, she's also queen necromancer herself. The restless dead. By the way, we're recording this after Depnon. Happy Depnon, everybody. Happy Depnon. <laughs> Depnon. We're gonna be talking a little bit about some of our own Depnon rituals today. But I we thought today would be perfect to kind of mirror what we did in the necromancy episode of Ten's gonna be talking about the ancient sense of being a high priestess. And I'm gonna show you and answer some questions on how I modernize it and how it really came about. Um, because I don't think it's all that different based on, you know, our conversations today and in my own studies, you know, so we're going to do really like a mirroring tit for tat, which I liked that we did. Oh yeah. No, it, it really, 
shows the similarities and it's like, okay, we don't have a temple. What do we do, everybody? Everybody stay calm. What do we do? (laughs) For sure. And I think this also, once again, explains what Sticks and Bones really is. Um, We do call ourselves a modern day necromantia. And that is for a reason because we do and are tasked with the um, help of the Chthonic to modernize Hellenic practices so that we can practice um, with an air of tradition in modern day. You know, obviously we can't do everything. They did do a lot of animal sacrifice in the Greco-Roman world. Um, You know, that's not for everybody and Mm -hmm. that's fine. Um, But there are ways we can modernize it. So we really do work to help modernize practices in a way (laughs) that, you know, when you do enter Hellenism and you do want to do these things, this is how we're being retaught and like, therefore we can reteach other people as well. So. Shall we get started on high priestesses? We got a ton of questions. We're going to answer your listener Q&A at the end, but I think we just need to start with like the basics. We mapped out some basic questions. So go ahead, Ten. What are the questions we mapped out? So the first one is really going to be like, why? The why. Why are people doing this? Why do we want priests and priestesses, priestly classes, uh, priesthoods, and you know, what comes underneath that? What are they in charge of? Who's doing what and the why? Um, How long are people in service? Are there initiations? You know, is this open to gen pop? Is this kind of more secluded? You know, there's such an air of mystery. Like anytime somebody says high priestess, it almost seems like it's coming in like with a fog machine. Like, right. Like, what do you think of when you hear high priestess? If you can take your unbiased out of it. So you didn't know much about it. Like what's the first thought that comes, or maybe, you know, what's the first thought that comes to your mind in general? I mean, for me, if I hear high priestess, I, I think of the Oracle at Delphi. I think of the Vestal Virgins. I think of the Hierophant who performed rites at the Eleusinian Mysteries. Uh, but I know I have an ancient historical bias that I'm coming in with. I, I agree with that. I think for me, when I think of the high priestess, I think of the tarot card, actually. Mm. Um, I think um, in terms of what I do, I think of like this sorceress almost of like the high priestess and she is sitting there with her book and her workings and like her table's a mess. And she like has so many things she has to do. She has things to attend to. She has offerings to give. And like, I just imagine, you know, the high priestess as like almost like the tarot card of like, mm-hmm. I am here to educate but i also have 50 million spiritual things that need to be done for my own stuff to make sure i can continue to educate so it's like there's a lot of things like veneration um and i also think of like the veils too like the veils well very important in my practice but we'll talk about that later Mm -hmm. no it but it's interesting like it's it's still this like air of like the unknown this sacricity secrecy like what what is actually going on because even with like the tarot card you're like what does this mean you know like it holds so much with two words yeah and i think high priestesses to me have to have an extensive amount of knowledge on the things that they claim to be a high priestess for um constantly studying constantly looking at things from a different lens constantly trying things you know that's why i say i don't just get on here and talk about my ghost host stories for no reason these are things i do under king hades name um i am tasked with doing spirit communication and educating and teaching about it so there's just so many different things we're really like i kind of think of myself as like a scientist sometimes of like <laughs> Let me try this. And then let's let's debunk some things about the paranormal. So there's so many different like levels to it. But I was just curious to know, like, what were your initial thoughts? And to the people that are listening, you know, what are your initial thoughts when you think of like the high priestess? What does that mean to you? Yeah. And is it 
you know, where did you, I guess, get that feeling from? Is it from a tarot card? Is it from like, I don't know, a TV show? Is it from, you know, mythology that you've read? I've seen people be like, it's Percy Jackson. <laughs> I've had students in my class tell me that. And I'm like, oh, interesting. Yeah, I've yeah absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So yeah, it all makes sense. It all makes sense. So I guess we'll just kind of dive on in with why people today become priestesses, why people back then become priestesses. Mm. And while Chelsea is going to be our modern uh, interview today, um, I'm specifically going to be pulling from the Vestal Virgins. That is one of the best kind of case studies that we can dive into with so much information. Well, a lot of information. I don't want to say so much, but um, so it's going to be pulling from that. So while it is Rome focused, I'm also going to be pulling from oracles, oracular shrines when I find it necessary. But it is very interesting, you know, with priestesses, priesthoods, high priestesses, because while it is a job, they they viewed their gods at like they were doing a job and the gods were their employer, right? Well, that's correct. And um that's exactly how I view it. And I don't think people see it that way. I think people, if I can interpret the reactions I sometimes get when I say this, that Mm -hmm. I'm a high priestess. And honestly, sometimes I'm a little reluctant to say it because it's my job, but I think people look at it as like, I'm trying to impose a title on somebody Mm -hmm. and say that like, I am the written word of the Lord. Um, And I really feel like that is undeconstructed religious trauma. Okay. Um, a high priestess, when you actually look at them, like you just said, is a literal job. Like I look at King Hades as my employer with much respect and love and veneration, but I agreed to a job. I signed for a job. I must now do the job. Correct. And I think, I think it's like really fascinating what you just said. Like he is a boss. You're, you view him as a literal employer oh he's and a man in charge big boss downstairs he is he, he's you know lord of the underworld and everything and you know i i told chelsea about this earlier i am finishing mary beard's um spqr and she rightly noted in it that the ancient individuals did not believe in their gods they knew they existed and I think that's a difference as well as, you know, today um, people believe in Jesus, people believe in um, other aspects, other mythologies, other stories. And to the ancients, they didn't believe, believe it like we do today. They they knew like inherently in their heart of hearts and their soul of souls, they knew that Jupiter, the big man over there, he was on, uh, that's where his temple was on Compitaline Hill. Uh, you had to make your sacrifices and they knew that's where they were. Mm-hmm. They also knew that they resided on Mount Olympus. They knew that this was a gateway to the underworld. Like they knew they didn't have to believe it. They knew. <laughs> so I totally relate to that because when I was in Hawaii and I was in a literal volcano, I thought of Pele immediately. Like, do I worship Pele? No. Do I know this is a home? of a goddess Pele. Yeah. When you're on Hawaii, when you're in a Hawaiian Island, you know, you tend to think of the divinities that reside there and you're like, I want to be respectful. And they even say that, you know, when you're on their land. So, um, I, I understand that concept. You know what I mean? Like when you're driving Mm -hmm. past a church, you know, Jesus Christ is probably in there somewhere. Doesn't mean you have to believe in it, but you know that they're there. Yeah. And like today people believe in it. They also believe that he was a real person. So like they knew he existed. Mm -hmm. So it's just like an interesting take on it, but which makes sense for like how the ancients viewed their priests and priestesses and their 
duties and how, you know, you talk about being a priestess today. Exactly. So, um, what was, what was the first question we were starting with? Why do people become uh priests or priestesses, uh, then and now? Okay. So I'll take a stab at this one first. Mm-hmm. Um, why <laughs> I feel like this is an interesting question. And, and when we were creating these questions today with the guidance of King Hades, actually, I did make sure, I just want to make this very clear for those of you that worship him or, you know, him, um, all of this information has been cleared to, for me to talk about. There are a lot of things that I cannot talk about. Um, cause you know, being initiated as a high priestess is a very sacred thing. And he's also known as the unseen one. So you already know, like your practice and worship with him can't even be talked about. So, um, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to try to say as much as I can <laughs> without saying too much, you know what I'm saying? Correct. Yes. Like fight club. <laughs> <laughs> so, Okay. Why do people become priestesses? And this was a good question because I had to think back on like when I was originally asked to do this job, I was already devoting a lot of my practice to King Hades. And I found that a lot of what he was asking me to do in my position was a lot of what I was already interested in spiritually. Um, And it made sense for me to accept. Um, But we'll talk about this later. There were a few conditions as to some things that I did have to give up in order to be here. So, um, I think it was, you know, I was devoted to him. I care about, you know, the Catholic very much, and Mm -hmm. it was already like a huge part of my life anyway. And, um, it allowed me to continue to do the work that I love. Um, so it just really made sense for me when I was asked to accept because I was already doing it anyway. No, absolutely. It's like, um, we talked about this before where I've mentioned nuns, right? Like nuns mm-hmm. are priestesses in their own way, I believe. It's like an innate calling of this is what I was meant to do and this is what I want to do. But, you know, there's also an air of like there are a lot of things that you give up to be here. So we'll talk about that after. But, um, yeah, it definitely was a calling for me of like this is what I want to do, like no doubt in my mind. And you can't you can't really go back on it, to be honest with you. You can't go back. <laughs> no, t- no takes back. I've made an oath. You can't go back on that. Yeah, you swear on that sticks, man. It's over. <laughs> yeah, to the god of oaths himself. Make sure they get carried out. No, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> no, but that's that's very different in the case of the ancients and specifically with the Vestal Virgins. You know, they were chosen specifically. Um, for these group of girls, it was something that they were appointed to do Mm. and i'll get into like how were you chosen did you have to have a certain criteria we'll get we'll get to that down the line but you know they were almost synonymous with the continued existence of rome so not only were they were doing a job for vesta the goddess of hearth and home sacred fire all of that they were doing their duty (laughs) to rome itself like Mm -hmm. if bad things (laughs) bad things happened it was their fault. Like they were truly being Atlas with Rome on their back. And that's a big responsibility. They had a massive responsibility and they had specific, you know, religious duties that they needed to do it to hopefully remain in Pietas. And of course, a big task of that was tending to the sacred fire. Um, They would have privileges um, that other women just would not have at that Mm -hmm. time. But they also were viewed as part of the Roman state. Like the Romans themselves saw the Vestal Virgins as the Roman state. 
Like they looked at them as, yes, you're doing your job. You are doing it well. Thank you so much. I'm going to go about my harvesting over here. But that makes a lot of sense. Very different though, but makes a hundred percent sense given the time very period different. and the politics at the time. Yeah. It makes. Yes. If like, and this is different because this is like cult priestesses. If you were going to be an auger, um, if you were going to be the Pontifus Maximus, um, you would have to go through a priestly college and mm. sometimes you would have to be elected depending on who was ruling. You might have certain numbers of who could be involved. Um, sometimes it was hereditary, like my father and my father's father before him, it got passed down that way, but it depends on the time period. It depends who's in charge right. and it depends who you are inherently working for. So if you were an auger, it's different than if you are a like, priestess for a cult no that makes sense and like why wouldn't it be different not everything is the same everyone's doing things differently and i'm sure if i talk to somebody that was a uh priestess for zeus or something i'm sure it's going to be very different than how mm -hmm. i stumbled upon it with king hades because the gods are different they rule over different things they're very much different in their approach to human beings and um why wouldn't things be different that way priest is going to be different than an oracle etc cetera, etc cetera. so absolutely i mean look yes. at me and a nun let's like look at me and a nun for example nuns are completely mm -hmm. different than the things that i do so but i still consider them a priestess in their own way um just for christ and they yeah. give up a lot of things correct yeah so i mean giving up a lot of things you know today we have to modernize, you know, priestess and priesthoods and stuff. What have you had to, you know, what are aspects or conditions? You know, we can look at the ancients and, and I have a whole list, but like, what do you do as a modern one? Of things that I give up? Uh, yeah. Aspects that you are supposed to uphold. Okay. Um, what are, are you asking me what things I do on his behalf or what am I giving up? Sorry. I misunderstood your question. Both. Okay. So let's start with, I, I, want to start with the things that I've given up. Okay. Or things that I'm I'm not allowed to do because of this position. So mm -hmm. um this was outlined very clear to me before I had accepted anything. And um, you know, to be be honest with you, um mm -hmm. as someone who was never a super traditional girl, even in Catholicism, it it, it actually is pretty hard. Um, even though I knew of these things beforehand and I had agreed to them. Um, actually putting them into action is a little bit more difficult than when you are, you know, writing down on a piece of paper, the things that are being asked of you and being like, okay, I can abide by these, but putting it into practice is a little bit difficult. So <laughs> things that I've, I'm, I'm technically not allowed to do. Um, I have to, when I'm doing work for the Chthonic and even outside of myself, um, there are certain situations where I have to dress a little bit more modestly. Um, I have to veil myself a lot of the times. I am not allowed when I am um, doing work that day for the Chthonic. Like I said, it's a job. Um, I'm not allowed to eat certain things. Um, for King Hades and Hecate um, and Queen Persephone, I'm not allowed to have meat that day that I am working. Um, I fast a lot. There's a lot of fasting, purification of my own body. Um, I had to give up drinking. There are certain social situations that I cannot be a part of. Um, I cannot be for example, in a strip club ever, like that's never allowed. Um, I have to uphold certain morale and ethics because of who I am and okay. what I believe in and how I go about in the spiritual plane. So I can't be out there, you know, 
just fighting people in the streets. Like I can't be causing like chaos. Like I really, I'm held almost to like a higher standard. I feel like of, you know, you can still enjoy and indulge in life, but I cannot be shaking my ass on a bar in a bikini. Yeah. That's, that's not allowed. Okay. Like, let's just put it to you that way. Like I am, I, I did that in my twenties. Don't get me wrong. Okay. But yeah. Right. Like, Chelsea on lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> Got that out of your system. Okay. Now. <laughs> yeah. Like, and especially it makes sense with King Hades. There is an air of tradition and modesty that needs to be upheld um, here. And he has a lot of say in the things that I do. And I want to make that very clear. Um, mm-hmm he has say in a lot of like my big life decisions. Yeah. So like, I can't do something without that's a big, big event and not run it by him because it affects his work with me. Right. So, um, that's another thing. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It's, it's kind of different with like the, the ancient sense, because for many, they were chosen as almost children. So A, a lot of them wouldn't have, you know, that could be in strip clubs as well. But, you know, mm-hmm. like for the vessels, they were chosen between six and ten. So, like, very young. And they were inherently chosen. And we'll get into that. But they had to remain a virgin through their 30 years of service. And that was the number one thing. Because if they broke chastity, and that was called into question with – um incestum then the sanctity and the protection and everything that rome was was almost unstable and could cause like cataclysmic issues so their virginity first and foremost was like that is like the most sacred thing for you and it was in honor of vesta who is a virginal goddess and you know for them they also had to dress a certain way so you know chelsea is wearing a veil today the vestal virgins had to dress a certain way they had to wear their hairs in a certain style um which is the same style that brides would have worn the day of their wedding and it's inherently believed that they wore it this way because they were in a sense married to rome for their service i mean that makes complete like I think people think these topics are weird and strange, but it makes <laughs> complete sense because you are basically, when you think about it, if I'm putting myself out there as like a high priestess to King Hades, you expect me to be a certain way, right? Like I'm not going to be some someone that's just dressing immodestly on the internet. Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but if this is my position and what I'm doing and I'm educating about him, the God, that's the unseen one. You know what I mean? Like there's like a certain thing that you expect from that. And um, that makes sense that the Vestal Virgins would have to dress a certain way and they would have to keep their virginity because it was Vesta. So it's really not that weird to me that those are some things that they needed to do. Yes. And it's also like, as we've talked about before, and I'm blanking on like what specific podcast, but like everything in the ancient world whether it's jewelry, hairstyle, veiling, clothing, anything, breathing, it was done for a specific reason and a specific purpose because inherently wearing something was ritual, um, doing something was ritual. And for, you know, these Vestals, only them and maybe like one other class of like the upper 1% got to wear the same garments. So their dress denoted their status, their mm-hmm. hairstyles denoted their status, like all of this kind of stuff. Like 
taking away, like doing like the spiritual stuff, tending to the fires, doing rituals, you know, going to the gladiatorial games, all of that kind of stuff. What else, how did they stick out from other individuals and how did they know and how did their like titles come across to people who were walking by them? And I mean, with the nuns, it makes so much sense. I mean, they have, um, they have their outfit, their uniforms. Yeah, they have everything. So when you see it, you're like, that's a nun. They serve Christ. Awesome. Cool. Hi, sister. Wonderful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, here. I'm here for the, the sisters. Go off, queens. Um, But yeah, no, that, that makes total sense. And it's interesting how like, yeah, for me, it's just changed a little bit in modern day because obviously I wasn't raised in a temple getting ready to be a high priestess in the king 80s, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, because society is different today. So it's like, yeah, I think the gods too are working on modernizing, you know, and what's going to be palpable to people. You know what I mean? Like I am a high priestess, but I also like, it's my job. So I do my work and then I can go outside and like, I'm still, I still have to uphold this moral compass and code and ethics that is placed upon me that I agree to with King Hades, but I can, I don't have to wear my veil 24 seven. I don't have to have a certain hairstyle. I simply just go about my merry way. And that's that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's kind of interesting because this like parallel that we're doing leads me to my next question of how long do you have to be worshiping, devoting yourself, anything like that working doing worshiping all of that kind of stuff before you know it's brought up uh because i know for the ancient sense like these girls were chosen children and right. they were just kind of like picked and thrown into it so while they became let's say a vessel at six their first 10 years while they are this priestess, they are learning and they're not really doing any rituals. They're not leading anything. Mm -hmm. They're learning their duties. They're learning mythology. They're understanding what's going on. They're learning the ropes from the older women, right? Right. But they already have that title. They've already been initiated. And is there any sort of like time that, you know, any questions about time of like, how long did it take? Mm -hmm. Anything like that? So very different for me. Um, I also had the choice. I feel like the vessel virgins did not where, you know, yeah. as a kid, like you're, that's it. You're chosen. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have, you don't get a say in that. That's period. That's kinda, uh, yeah. But I also, once again, want to attribute that to the time period and the great importance that was placed upon the vestal virgins. I'm sure it was considered some of the highest honor to be chosen as a vestal virgin. Oh yeah. So it was probably also really traumatic. Like I would think that, like, I liked that I had the choice, you know, I could have said no, yeah. um, But so for me, I think I was two years into my worship and practice, but I had been doing like divination for a while. Like I had really known a lot. Um, I was very savvy in like terms of um, the spiritual plane, death. Like I had been a psychic medium for a while and he actually approached me about it because I had already devoted myself to the chthonic. So I was already doing devotee work and, um, he wanted to take that up to the next notch in terms of being a high priestess. And I kind of think that was his plan all along. You know what I mean? Like if I know King Hades, like I know him, he just doesn't think of these things on the fly. Like this Mm -hmm. was probably all some grandioso plan in the grand scheme of things. Um, That one day, like this would be my position if I, if I wanted to work for him. But yeah, I, but when I want to say I devoted myself for two years, it was like, not just uh, every six months I'm doing something for him. No, it was, I am working with him 
all of the time. I am worshiping. Mm-hmm. I am doing what I need to do. I am learning. And it wasn't even just about him. Mm-hmm. It was about other Catholic deities too, because if you know the hierarchy of things, King Hades is King Hades, but also that doesn't mean <laughs> yes. that you shouldn't know about um, the residents of King Hades or Queen Persephone or those that do report to him because you're going to come across them at some point, right? Mm-hmm. Especially being a high priestess. So um, it was a lot. I got was a lot of studying, a lot of learning, a lot of worshiping, um, figuring out things for two years straight, um, a lot of like inner soul searching, because when you do these things, you have to really understand why you're doing them. Uh-huh. Um, I want to reiterate, this is not a, like an egotistical thing that you just take this because you think you're going to be the next queen of Sheba or <laughs> Queen Persephone herself. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's a job. So you just really need to understand that. And um, I kind of feel like my path was a little bit accelerated more in the beginning because I think he wanted me to get to this point. Okay. So I would say it, I mean, it was like two to three years, but it was intense spiritual work and worship and understanding of what this is now i know for the vestals it's it's 30 years in and out like many would go on to marry after they were kind of a commodity and they would you know kind of go to the highest husband who would almost like seek their hand in marriage and everything because they were after their childbearing years but it is it 30 years for you is it is it lifetime you know it's forever baby it's lifetime. <laughs> it's a forever contract and I know that might scare people because honestly it scared me too especially when you're like um you know since I was only two years really into Hellenism but I was doing this every day mm-hmm. it's like did do I really want to be doing this forever and yeah like I mean I, I did like it's you always have that thought in the back of your mind of like oh yeah. my god I going to really be doing this forever, but no, it's my belief system. It's where I want to be. So yeah, this is a forever thing. And I'm sure as I get older, um, my duties are probably going to change with where I am in my life. Um, cause I think of, you know, when I think of my duties, I think of death and I understand death based on where I am in my life in different stages. So I'm sure where I'm 80 years old, my perception of death is going to be different than a 30 year old, which I kind of find the beauty of that because as I'm going through life, like my high priestess duties are also kind of changing yeah. based on where I am. So, I mean, oracles. It seems like they're yeah. they're they're life they're lifers. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like it depends on the deity. I, you know, I would imagine that like King Hades, it makes sense. It would be till death because it's that he's king of the underworld. So it's almost like death and on death and whenever. Like it's just mm-hmm. that's what it is. Yeah, no, it it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, depending on the deity, if it's a certain place, like if it's like Eleusis or something, like if you're only having to go there like so many times a year, like what if you move too far away and Mm -hmm. it becomes like an accessibility thing. So like modern day, you know, no temple, but we can kind of, you can just kind of go wherever. Oh yeah. Which I think is really cool because, you know, I thought about it. I think it would be really cool if we had temples again. But then I'm like, you know, imagine if I was like a priestess in Greece. I'd probably have to grow up in like some sort of commune. I probably would have been chosen as a baby. I probably wouldn't have had the choice. Um, I probably wouldn't have been able to experience life in the way maybe that I wanted to. Um, and it is very difficult sometimes when you look at like some of the priestesses and oracles and even the Vestal Virgins. Like, you know, we, we I disagree with a lot of the stuff, but hey, it was the time period and yeah. that's what it is. And you kind of have to respect it and understand that was their belief. But I mean, yeah, the Vestal Virgins, I think, really bother really me. Cho- and as a woman, like, I think it just is like, you know, they're chosen as children. 
chosen as children. And I mean, at first, I mean, I'll just get into it now. At first it was like only from like the best classes and families in Rome. And then they're like, shit, we're kind of the pool of candidates are not getting bigger. In fact, it's getting smaller. So what to do? So th- there are qualifications like you you cannot have like birthmarks or scars on your body. You have to be young enough to ensure you are a virgin. If your sister was already chosen, you cannot be chosen. Oh, that's if interesting. Your parents have to be married in a certain kind of ceremony and they both still have to be alive and they cannot have been enslaved at one point. Like there's so many rules and it gets to the point, like I even do this for my students. I modernize like, what needs to be done but i'm like how was there even a pool of candidates at the end of the day yeah right i mean like there was probably maybe like four maybe if that god yeah i also i also just want to make a comment of like you know this is a service to a god it's a job to a god and like it is i like to compare it because i think people take this the wrong way especially in modern day because we don't have those same beliefs of like high priestesses and oracles and we don't have temples and people aren't traveling to the temple to go get a a message from apollo anymore you know what i mean which i kind of wish we were because i like it i think it's cool but (laughs) we're not and that's just the reality of the situation but um i think it's one become a little bit more accessible to modernize and to become these things if presented to you and two not as intense but three i also want to reiterate it's a job like it is just like, you know, it's an innate calling. Like I never felt called to become an ER surgeon. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I'm not great with blood. Don't even get me started on, on going to the ER. I think doctors, teachers, nurses deserve all the money in the world. I don't feel called to do that stuff. So like, I'm not upset that I'm not that, you know what I mean? Like, this is my job. Like my spiritual work it's what I, it's my business. Like, this is what I do for a living. I just do it under King Hades name while educating about him. So I want to make that clear of like, it's a person's job. Like it's our, it's our nine to five and more, you know, we do work overtime a lot. (laughs) Doing nothing, but nothing, but overtime right now is because it is a job. Um, and let's just lay it out there. It's a job, but jobs, when you get hired, you just, you get hired there's no initiation. Was there initiations? Yes. And this is the part, unfortunately, I cannot talk about. Um, I think it's hard because like we don't have these temples where other priestesses are to initiate you. Um, But I cannot talk about the doings of my initiation. I can say that I did have to go through several, would you say, spiritual trials or trials and tribulations to get here? (laughs) Um, Because it's one thing I know about the Greek gods is they're going to test you. They're going to, they're great. They offered you something else and they offered you this job, mm-hmm. but they're going to be double checking your damn resume. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna say. And you know oh, what I'm I talking see. about, Ten. Oh, I see you're proficient in Microsoft Word. Okay. Bam. <laughs> Power moment. <laughs> so um, a lot of the times it was really hard, but once I had figured out kind of like what was going on, I had realized, you know, Y'all know and worship King Hades. He's going to put you to the test. Mm-hmm. Um, he is very fair and just, but he also has this like very different side of him of, you know, the gods don't trust human beings. They don't. And you, that's very blatant in their mythology. So if he's entrusting you to educate on his behalf and do his readings and do these things, and he's going to help you, you're going to be put through it. Oh, yeah. 
they are so that's like an initiation to me you can't lie on your resume here no you know <laughs> no you, you can't lie you can't be this like shitty human being or person because there's no way i'd be allowed to sit up here and say i'm a high priestess for him and like actually do what i do without looking like uh, i just went through like several tower moments and i'm drowning in like the ocean or something like he would just not have that no absolutely not on his name <laughs> not on our watch yeah but with the Vestal Virgins, because they're so young, um, we do kind of know of some quote-unquote initiations. Um, so because they were chosen so young, you know, the idea is after, after about five, if you made it through those first five years, even as a, just a child in general, you were likely going to survive, you know, into adulthood, possibly. Mm-hmm. You had a better chance because you know, the most dangerous years of childhood for the ancient people and families back then was one to five. It was from birth to five years old, like cross your fingers and hope everything goes okay. And because it was just such a high mortality, right? So at six years old, let's say an individual is chosen. And the first part of the initiation is it's this ritual aspect. And remember, she's very, very young. And she would have been seated on her father's lap and the Pontifus Maximus, the head priest would be coming in, right? And he would be approaching her and her father. And at that point, she's sitting on her dad's lap. The head priest is going to grab her hand and take her away out of the family's household. Like she's just been captured in war. Like that's scary. You're six. You are six. (laughs) So yeah. The next part, while she's learning, it's going to be a few years. And then the second part of kind of the initiation or when they are officially inaugurated is going to come after their first menstruation. And in order to move forward with that, to showcase that, you know, they've had their first period, they are going to cut off their long hair from childhood and they're going to hang it from a particular tree to let them know I'm now a woman and I'm ready to kind of go into, you know, priestesshood as a apprentice vessel for 10 years. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot and it's not like immediately. I mean, she's taken immediately, but then you have to wait for the first period and then it's 10 years and then second 10 years. That's a a long time. That's a a lot of decades, man. (laughs) I know. And they... (sighs) It's hard because I understand like these things happen, but you know, sometimes it's just hard to think about like I know the families probably wanted their daughters to be vestal virgins, um, because it was considered an honor, but I can't imagine having your six year old like snatched off your lap, even if you agree to it. Like it's probably just a lot, even though you know it's gonna happen. Um, and just the children themselves probably have no idea what's going on. But yeah. At least they were only in service. I know thirty years is a lot, but um <laughs> it wasn't like a lifetime thing. No, at one point, if you made it through service, you yeah. would have a life after. I, I meant to ask you this question before. Um, I'm not sure if you know the answer. And if not, we can always look into it at another time. Did they find it hard to be married after 30 years? Like they were coming out of being a, a Vestal Virgin? Or was it like considered that oh. someone you would want to marry because they were a Vestal Virgin? Um, Like what was their status coming out? Like, I, I don't know if you know. So I don't know if we have any any pov writings from their point of view i wish we did but we do know that they were 100 percent eligible bachelorettes 
um, they would often marry or be married off and they were actually considered a catch uh, because they were well off because um, I forgot to say this as a priestess, you were also, you had a salary. So 30 years, not spending it on lunch, you're living in a commune, you're living in the temple, everything's taken care of. Um, you're going to be well off and they had no heirs. So let's say some uh, rich man of Rome is coming along. He's lost his first wife. He already has an heir. That Vestal's going to look pretty good. Yeah, women with money. Go off queen. Women with money and um, land, actually. Um, we do have a case of a Vestal acquiring land and then a man wanted to marry her solely because she had a good piece of land. You know what? That's and she said no. She turned his ass down. Yeah. You know what? We stand. We stand the Vestal virgins <laughs> that come out with their money and land and look at men and go, I don't think so. This is my <laughs> land and my money. And I may might re- maintain my Vestal virgin status forever. <laughs> I'm coming back, Vesta. Once more. <laughs> let's let's give it a wrap around. <laughs> no, that's cool. That's cool. I love that. It's a little empowering, even though, like, you know, the way it kind of comes about is uh, you know, but I understand. Yes. Yes. It's big responsibility. You know, if the fire went out, sometimes they could get flogged. Incestum happens. We, we all know what happens with that. Yeah. Um, all of that kind of stuff. They put through trial. If a war with Rome is going poorly, they're put on trial for no reason mm-hmm. for hearsay. And yeah. some have had to perform miracles. Um, I don't think you have to perform miracles though. No, 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 I do <laughs> not. That's not my job. I don't, it could be someone else's, but it's not mine. You know what I found out the other day? What? It takes two miracles to become a saint. Interesting. No, like the one isn't enough. Not just one. It has to be two just in case no one saw it. <laughs> I, everybody's what? trying out for a saint, but it, it's the two that pushes people to be like, I don't, I don't want to do it. That makes me look at saints differently now. I did not know that. So I don't know if it's a modern, it's now a modern rule or if it's happened with every saint who's been canonized, but I do know that that is the rule today. Interesting. Right? I, I was like, is yeah. that not good enough? Yeah, I guess not. I mean, I get it. Maybe, well, you know, how do you, how do you really know? You know, you got to see twice. <laughs> I Listen, guess, if, yes. if Yahweh wants you to be a saint, he's going to make sure you get it done twice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I get that. No, 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 I do. Any, anything else you want to talk about with priestess? I see. I had a thought and it left my head, but I think that's really it. I mean, I think those were like the burning. Qu- oh, did I talk about my duties? I don't think I talked about what I do. What are your duties, Chelsea? <laughs> oh my God. I'm like, oh, I'm a high priestess for King Hades does absolutely nothing. Um, <laughs> just sits here in all the gl- in all the glory. Um, oh, let me talk about what I do. So mm-hmm. yeah, I get this question a lot of, you know, someone actually asked me if you're a high priestess, do you have duties? Oh yeah. I don't just get to sit here and say these things and be like, oh, I'm so cool. Um, so my duties are actually a lot. Um, so one of the major things that you guys can probably guess that I do is I, I re-educate about death, um, specifically within the Hellenic belief. Um, I like to think of it as like, I hate saying this, spreading the good news of Hellenism, but, um, (laughs) have you heard the good news? Have you heard the good news of Hellenism? Um, but also teaching about King Hades, um, in a proper way. He, I always say this and I don't care what y'all have to say. But he likes an era of tradition and he wants me to teach. And I know 10 gets the same kind of like uh, 
feeling and vibe from this of the we 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 teach with an air of tradition so we can modernize Hellenism. That's basically like why we're here at Sticks and Bones. This mm-hmm. whole podcast store services dedicated to the the great god of the underworld and the queen of the underworld and Hikate herself. Um, so I do perform necromancy, which I'll tell you guys my necromancy story <laughs> after. Yes. Um, I do commune with the dead. I teach about respect to the dead, offerings, um, how you can connect with the dead. I also um this is kind of like a sidebar of something that I've earned to do, uh, wasn't originally in my plan, but because, you know, it's kind of like a, a reward, um, like, something a that reward. Has, like a reward, um, to make being a high priestess a little bit more palpable. King Hades, um, does help me with the paranormal stuff that I do. Cause I just love I it. Mean, I might've convinced him that it does land under spirits and death work. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it does. I might've said. It is, has to do with the restless dead, if you will. Is communing with the spirits in a haunted house not necromancy? I rest my case, Your Honor. <laughs> Does this mean Ted and I need $300 to go to the conjuring house to look into the demons that are there and do that under death work because it is my job? Because it, it is necromancy? I save my time. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I always, like... Because I always uphold the respect for the dead, um, I, you know, I'm allowed to do other things that like fall under my practice and in, um, you know, in his name. So the paranormal stuff also is a lot of what I do, which I, I love, like, it's my favorite. Don't get me wrong. I love teaching about the Catholic. I love the Catholic. They're great. Hellenism. Awesome. Paranormal. Go oh, Hellenism. <laughs> oh, Hellenism. <laughs> Go. Yay. Football. <laughs> sports <laughs> um but yeah it is it is one of the funner the more the more fun not funner more fun things i get to do um but that's that's really it. it's really about re-educating and um being a place of like other people that want to commune and talk about death and hades and hecate and whoever else queen persephone that's 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 what we do here do you like death <laughs> do you believe in ancient curses yeah what's that um how much would it take for you to spend the night in a cemetery <laughs> Uh, not a goddamn thing. I don't even need a Klondike bar. I'll just go in my backyard. <laughs> I'll do it for free. If you supply the sleeping bags and the, the lantern, I'll be there in a second. Just call me. I don't like sleeping bags. <laughs> How else are we going to spend the night in a cemetery? Sleep on the dirt? No, you bring an air mattress. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're going fancy. I'm going fancy. I, I'm, I'm, I'm putting on the Ritz for the spirits, you know? <laughs> yeah, she said, I'm I'm wearing my Sunday best. Um, but that's that's really it. I did get a question of like, what do I do? And um, yeah, that's that's it. It's really um, helping people connect to Hellenism, modernizing it, and talking about King Hades in a way that he was worshipped in ancient Greece, um, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Which reminder, we do have two episodes on him. See, doing my duty. Doing my duty <laughs> to my school. Okay. Spreading the good news. All right, Q&A, man. Okay, so we do have some q and I forgot I have to pull up my archive. I'm like, where did my Q&A box go? I know, same. <laughs> um, by the way, Ted and I often do Q&A um, on our separate personal Instagram accounts. Um, oh my God, this is so funny. A lot of you don't follow us on TikTok or know that we are CL, Chthonic Witch, and Dirt Diaries on TikTok. You know how many comments I get of like, you're Chelsea and 10 from six <laughs> like is there is there a felsey and fen and fixing phones out there if if there is we need to have them on as guests um hopefully they're reversed maybe fen will have blonde hair and felsey will be she'll be the archaeologist brunette wow we could just find our 
our doppelgangers and parallel selves. So well, maybe, maybe there's the doppelgangers are setting us up so they could take our body. So we're not doing that. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you, if you're interested in what we look like, go on YouTube. We literally post this on YouTube on Saturday before the Monday, um, the podcast drops. And if you're like, oh my God, I've seen you guys on TikTok. <laughs> Where have I seen these people before? Oh, oh, um, re-educating about the Chthonic and 10 uh, talking about crazy archaeology finds. That's yeah, where just, you know us from. Just talking about weird things. I talked about spiritual possession the other day. Do you know anyone that's got possessed by a demon? <laughs> Ancient necromancy's just been found. Gird you your so- loins, everybody. You like with our whole ass chest, we go out there on Beyonce's internet and post these things with no care in the world. I don't care who finds that shit. I know I'm in a group chat somewhere of my like high school people being like, is this the girl we graduated with talking about being possessed? (laughs) It is very funny. It is funny. Like I had a video there. There is an apotropaic mirror found um, in modern day Israel and it is dating to the Byzantine period. And what do mirrors do? They are potchpick, which means they get rid of the evil eye. And I posted something about it and somebody was like, I am protected from the Lord. Cool. Oh, if you I need some extra you. protection, I suggest this magic mirror. I love that for them. That's awesome. I love that. But you know, if you ever if you're ever in a pinch, might I suggest a reflective surface? Yeah. Sometimes you need to, well, that makes sense. Send it back via mirror. I d- listen. Sometimes the big G upstairs is occupado and you just need a good reflective surface. All right. Let me say something. Okay. The big G upstairs isn't coming to see you personally. He sent it an angel. He's got messengers. He's got a thousands of them up there. What do you think the angels are for? Okay. He's up there like the wicked witch of the West with her flying monkeys being like, fly my pretty fly. He, he is. Okay. God's not approaching us personally. He's sending a messenger. He He's is sending St. Michael. He is sending an angel with a thousand eyes. <laughs> He's sending Mr. Be Not Afraid. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes when I'm working with St. Michael, I remember these things of like, <gasps> Yahweh sent him to. <laughs> and then you remember what they're supposed to look like. And you're just like. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What are you doing in my house? I want okay. a prize. All right. All right. So we did open a Q&A box on our Instagram. See all Catholic Witch and Dirt Diaries. It's in the show notes. But yeah, I feel like we had to put a face to the name for some people because I get a lot of those comments and I'm like, oh man, didn't know there was a disconnect. But here we are, Chelsea and 10 from Six and Bones. 10, why don't you start with um, a question that you have? I have to I have to look through mine. We answered a lot of mine. Um, I, that's what I'm going through. I'm like, okay, we answered that. We answered that. We answered that. Um, boo, 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 boo. I had all the questions about uh oracles and prophecy so i'm gonna redirect everybody uh to put your blinker on and go check out the uh episode we had um okay someone asked me what is the hardest thing you've probably had to modernize in your practice um necromancy i would probably say like the literal act of performing necromancy by the book yeah um because I don't have access to a lot of the things that we need. A lot of these things take animal sacrifice. So I'm just going to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, animal sacrifice or a pit. And um, because necromancy is such a huge part of what I do, you know, I have to kind of like work to find a way, which by the way, I don't just make this up. Like I am I am asking um, King Hades or Hikate mm-hmm. of like, what's a way I can modernize this so I'm not being disrespectful and it's going to work. Um, so that's been really hard for me. I think just Hellenism in general is really hard to modernize because of how old it is. How old it is, the fact that there's no like 
Bible. Like there's no like sacred books. Like there's mythology and there's writings by philosophers and, you know, plays. And there's a lot of literature from that time period, but there's no like, this is the gospel of Hades. Like there's, there's no book like that, unfortunately. So it's a lot of reconstruction and then everything is just a piece of a puzzle that you're doing in the dark. For sure. And I think Hades too is really hard. King Hades is really hard to modernize because like I said, he prefers the air of tradition and um, we don't always have much information because he wasn't heavily worshipped. So it's like, correct. you know, it's, it's even weird to me today that like we are worshiping him because when you read about him, he wasn't, he wasn't, wasn't a to call on. Yeah. It wasn't too much. Like we know sacred sites and everything, but they're few and far between and then you have the author's bias and whatnot i think the hardest one is dealing with translation issues of not having the full (laughs) story something going from you know cuneiform to greek back to aramaic to hieroglyphics like it's especially hard when there's no like there's no similar or same exact word in the other language right so you're just kind of left with an ancient question mark. Yeah, there's a lot missing. So that's why it's like, you know, I work in 10 works really hard to help modernize Hellenism in a way that makes Ooh. sense. And like what we do, we'll always share if we can. Um, because- I, had a quick, I had a quick question. Yeah, I also have one question too I want to address. So you go first, then I'll go after you. Okay, and then I, I have one more at the end. Um, Other than the Oracle at Delphi, uh, which was the most influential? So the big three are Delphi, Dodona, which is in northern Greece, and Claros, which is in modern-day Turkey. And Delphi and Dodona, Delphi is to Apollo, Dodona is to Zeus, Claros is to Apollo. So those are the big three. I love that. And maybe um, we were even thinking for Patreon, we might do a part two of Oracle's um Mm-hmm. So if you're on Patreon, by the way, if you're on Patreon, this is our promo. We are really kicking it up a notch with Patreon um, and how we want to run it. So we're going to be taking deep dives into things we've already talked about on Patreon. So one thing that we're doing um, next month is Ten and I are going to be doing a public podcast episode talking about apotheosis. Yes. Um, but on Patreon, we're going to be talking about Luciferianism and more about apotheosis. So we're going to be like taking a topic and then deep diving on Patreon. So I feel like Patreon is going to be a lot, getting a lot of like necromancy part two. Like if we want to talk about a site um, or talk more about the oracles, we'll do that on Patreon. So we're really going to be deep diving in depth because a lot of these episodes we do are kind of surface level just to like, we've always say this, like dip your toe into what we're talking about. Cause there's just so much information on all yeah. this stuff. Um, and yeah, we're even doing on Patreon, Isis and Mary. Isis and Mary, they are they the, the same? same? Do they share the same name? Uh, mm-hmm. Our Lady Star of the Sea? Maybe. We'll see. Check it out on Patreon. <laughs> it's in our bio. Um, okay. I have a question. You have a question. And then I want to tell you guys my necromancy story. Oh, yes. Let us know. Okay. So I feel like I've kind of addressed this in a different way with Italian folk practice. But someone did ask me, um, do I have to be in Hellenic religion to worship Hecate? And... This is something that I see a lot and it is kind of like my cross to bear in this world. And this is not the person (laughs) who asked this question, but I think we need to understand. um, And it's a good question for everybody. Like, why are we doing the things that we're doing? (laughs) Isn't that the question of life? No, it's true. But like, think about this, you know, I don't care what the internet says or what spiritual communities are saying or what 
people that are influencers online are saying air quotes. Um, Hikate is part of Hellenism. So if you do want to worship Hikate, it's an open practice. Anybody can worship any Greek God. I am welcome. Petition them. You can ask them for things, but we cannot remove them from the concept of Hellenism. So Mm -hmm. if you're going to set up an altar for Hikate in your house and you don't want to be a part of Hellenism, I would ask then why you are choosing to set up an altar for Hikate in your house when that's where she's from. You know, you get what I'm saying? Like you can't really remove her from that. You don't have to adopt all of Hellenism, but then it's kind of negating what she's a goddess of and what she stands for. Or take out the altar part. If you don't believe in her, you don't worship her, that's fine. But then why petition? You know, I I right. do not worship or, you know, do anything saint-wise. Why would I petition something from, you know, St. Anthony? Right. And I think, like I said, this happened. I got this question with Italian folk practice where it's like, well, I'm not Catholic or and I don't like God. Can I petition a saint? You know, why are you petitioning a saint? Sure. You you could, I'm not saying it couldn't work. Like I'm not a saint, but nor do I do I know, but it's like I think it's like, why don't you find a belief system that you believe in and work with those divinities within that belief system that you believe in? You don't have to take all of it, like, especially, you know, we're gonna be talking about um, you know, I'm sure more modernization within Hellenism. Um some people are super traditional and some people are not, and that's okay. But at the end of the day, you know, whether you're a Catholic that goes to your priester church in Easter, <laughs> or you're someone that goes every Sunday, you're still believing in that, in that belief system. You yes. know what I mean? You're not removing Jesus Christ and being like, well, I'm just going to ask him for things. <laughs> you know, it's, I think we need to like, think of the broader sense. Um, and I see this, it just like irks me all the time online. I don't know why I find it my cross to bear. It's just find something that works for you, you know, whether that be, uh, Norse paganism or maybe you're atheist. I don't know. But it's also like an interesting topic to be like, Hmm, I want to petition. Okay. That's great. Do you believe in them? Why are you asking them uh, for certain practices? You know, Hellenism included, did you leave offerings? And are you comfortable with the aspect that they might not answer and that's okay. Right. Right. But, to um, you know, I think this kind of gets lost. It's like, if you're going to set up an altar or worship Hecate, that is Hellenism. Yes. So just think about that. Um, because I think with her, especially people just take her out of like the whole sphere of what she is and just label her as this mother of witches. And we don't, we have to negate everything else. And it's like, no, like we, we cannot take a Greek goddess out of what she is and just be like, well, this is who she is now. The mother maiden crone goddess of witches only, and only serves witches. That's not true. Only in Wicca. (laughs) Um, okay. I have, I have a really big burning question. I've got a big burning question. Okay. Is it the question that I'm going to ask? No, but I think it's the other one. Okay. Go ahead. So I got a, I got a question in my inbox, um, that with the modernization happening and we, we do have evidence for priesthoods, priestesses in the ancient world and, you know, how people are modernizing it. Can anybody be a priest or a priestess in this case? Oh, right. We did not address this. It's not. Do you want? Do you, I have no problem taking this. Do you? Do you want to add anything? Well, I'm going to say no, but um, I think <laughs> you should answer this because there's actual fact in ancient times of why 
I don't no, no, not everybody can be a priestess. I mean, that's just the way that it is. It's just like not everybody can be an ER surgeon. Not everybody is going to be a mechanic. Not everybody's going to be a hairdresser. If we look at the analogy of how I said of this is a job, it's not for everybody and that's really okay. Um, mm-hmm. But I have a feeling your answer is the same as mine. No, it absolutely is. Um, uh, there, there's so many qualifications and qualifications in this case is not necessarily like, do you have this on your resume? Do you have five to seven years of experience with word? It's more like, do you come from this certain kind of family? Um, are you between six and 10? Are both of your parents alive? Which that right. was a, a huge flag for many people. Um, your parents could not be emancipated and yourself could not be emancipated, which means that you were a freed person. And, you know, from this, can you be it? And if you had birthmarks, if you had scars, if your parents were not married in a certain ritual, you were also taken out of that pool. So the pool got smaller and smaller. So no, not everybody could, just like not everybody could be an auger. Not everybody could be um, an oracle at Delphi. There were priestesses there, but, you know, not everybody got to be Pythia. So no, I don't think so. And I think it's, I think it's a little bit different than can anybody be a nun? Sure. If you were innately called to it, I don't know if today anybody can be a modernized priestess. Well, it depends on what you state. Can anybody be, because yeah, I'm sure anybody could be a nun, but not everybody's going to want to be a nun. Like, you know, so I would say no to that too, because like, yeah, right. Anybody technically could be a nun, but you have to be cut out for that kind of work, right? You have to be willing to give those things up and live your life in servitude to Jesus Christ. Like that is not for everybody. I don't think people are innately born with wanting to do those things, mm-hmm. um, except a certain group of people. Like they they just know um, and it calls to them. And I really yes. feel like that's like Jesus working his way through life of like being like, well, these are the people that I want. And I'm sure he selects them based on certain reasons, mm-hmm. you know, like- I am probably going to ruffle some feathers. The Greek gods are really in things a lot of the times for themselves. They don't serve humans. We serve and worship them. So you have to look at it from that point of view of what am I bringing to the table that they want? Mm -hmm. And I think like I could speak on behalf of myself. I can see and hear spirits. So I can easily, I mean, like that's easy. I can educate about necromancy. Jot that down. (laughs) Check. You know what I mean? And it's it's not, you know, it, it just is what it is. Like, I obviously serve a purpose in this world to have this kind of job. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. Plus, you know, yes, anybody can be a nun today, but then you look at the the syllabus that you're given of like, right. what well, you got to give up. It's not called a syllabus, but when you're given that of like, here's what you need to do, you have to follow these guidelines in a sense. And it's like, oh, I'm in the wrong line. Like I cannot do this. And it's like, okay, yeah. Thanks for, thanks for trying out, you know? No, I think like, um, this, this kind of work takes a very special kind of approach to it. It takes a very special kind of person to do it because it's not easy. Um, and it's just like any, like I said, I like to compare it to jobs because I think people place such a huge importance on these things. Yeah. Yes. It's important. Like, just like, I think anyone's job is important, but just like how 10 became an archeologist that does not call to me. I don't want to do, I appreciate her work, 
I love hearing about all the crazy things and the fines, but that is not Chelsea's I, not, not like, out there going to let Cyprus. me go get my brush and patiche. I'll be right there. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna go dig in the dirt in Cyprus. That's too hot. Like when I hear about the things you have to do, I'm like, sorry, I'd be burned to a crisp because I'm pale. Pale girls in archaeology, I don't think we don't go hand in hand. <laughs> but it's like, you know, can everybody go out and get a PhD? Sure. Do you know what you're gonna have to do to get through it? No, I will never go get my PhD. And that's me. I I just I I made that decision a long time ago. <laughs> I don't need it. What do I need it for? But then, and there's a the thing like, you know, ER doctors, I, I, I get woozy with blood. <laughs> it's not for me. Literally people that are teachers, I, my cousin, she's a teacher and she was just telling me about all the shit she goes through. I'm like, you deserve to make a million dollars a year because I would lose my mind. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I will banish a spirit from someone's house and perform ancient necromancy every single day over what you have to do. <laughs> Sorry. I can't do it. I'd rather talk to the restless dead. Have a good day. Yeah. They won't talk back. <laughs> Okay, I have one last question, and this one I kind of want to keep short, sweet, to the point, because you and I yeah. can go off on this for, like, an hour. We're really getting on our soapbox. Yes. Um, and this is not to anybody that asked this question. It's just this has been a burning question in the Hellenic community for a while, and I've been avoiding this like the plague. Yeah. But um, this was a question that must be addressed. What do we think <laughs> about miasma in Hellenism and cleanliness? Are we talking modern Hellenism or are we talking about ancient Greece? See, I don't think that was specified, <laughs> but I think in the modern sense, because miasma has been the superstar of the conversation for a very, very, very long time in terms of Hellenism. And I did not ever want to talk about it because it just irks me. It just irks me. Uh, Sparknote edition, miasma is uh, ritual impurity, ritual pollution, pollution in general. Um, it can be physical, it can be spiritual, but, you know, again, that's why I want to, that's why I wanted to preface. Are we talking ancient Greece? Well, I think it was very much part of everybody's day-to-day activities, or are we talking this modern sense that I don't know if people actually know? I think it's both and it's fine that people do not know, but I think, um, I think we need to talk about it. Spark note edition in both because it's also found in like my own folk practice. And I think miasma gets a really big misconception because I don't think people innately understand what it is. And you and I were even doing research today of like, what are people actually thinking about miasma compared to what it actually is? Like Ted and I were on the phone for like an hour talking about miasma and trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Um, also Kernips what winds up in my inbox, which is like the purification water, which we couldn't even find ties to that. The lustral water, yeah. Yeah. Like I just think this is like um a trend on the internet where people are not actually innately looking into these concepts. Yeah. Or placing so much importance on them when it's probably something you already do. Probably something you already do, or uh, you know, for example, if somebody was going to give um you're from a wealthy family, let's say, and you supply an ox for your your sacrifice to a god, right? Thank you so much. The priest who's going to be performing said sacrifice is going to ritually purify himself. And so, I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I I don't think we clearly defined what miasma is and why this is such a big thing. I think oh, it's ritual um, impurities, but in the way people are talking about it in modern day is if you don't purify yourself, it's basically like a stain. You're a shit stain on the gods and they're looking at you like, how dare you? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Of like, it's, it's 
spiritually, it could be you're not performing rituals uh, on time properly. You're not going through the right steps. Uh, physically, it's just being a human. Um, you know, uh, childbirth, menstruation, that kind of stuff is ritually impure. And you would have to just go through purification. So you could purify yourself with water. You could do a, a ton of other things, which I'm trying to spark note this, but um, you're talking about the ancient sense then. Yes. And okay. To, I want to make to this modernize clear. it to, to modern. Make, right. To modern. It, what? <laughs> okay. Hold on. Cause you're, cause we're kind of getting all over the place. I want to make sure people are understanding what we're saying. Cause this is confusing. My asthma, like we just stated is the being impure, which means like, you know, you have to be clean when you're going to an altar. You have to be clean when you're doing rituals, mm-hmm. you can't be dirty, et cetera. What quote unquote, whatever you consider dirty, um, like chicken grease on your fingers, et cetera. Ten's talking thing. about it in the ancient sense where periods were often looked at as, um, impure. You'd have to go yes. through a purification. This is not saying this translates into modern day. So I want to make this clear. This Correct. depends on what you believe. Yes. So let's make this line in the sand very clear. Cause I don't want our words to be misconstrued. Yes, I in a dissertation I have read somebody's dissertation, not mine. Craftspeople ran into ritual impurities all the time. If you are working in the earth, the dirt, and you are getting lower into it, because then you become associated with the chthonic, uh, the divinities, the underworld, that kind of stuff. And a huge quote unquote impurity to the ancients was death. Mm-hmm. So if you were a craftsperson, let's say you had to get some clay, you had to go to the stone quarry, etc. Well, then you would cleanse yourself in order to be purified so that you would not bring impurities into your community and bring impiety into it. But that does not mean you're a bad person. It just means, hey, I got clay under my fingernails. I need to be clean when I make an offering. Right. So- it's it's kind of made a tailspun and this is how i i view it like this concept of miasma um it's found in my own italian folk practice where before i go do a ritual or i'm giving an offering i'm not going to take my chicken grease fingers and go touch a cate statue after i had some finger licking good doritos and chicken and go okay here are your <laughs> your offerings um yes. It depends on what you believe and how you practice, but it's always a good rule of thumb to do things with respect. And I kind of thought that was just like a given, but for somehow it's made this like tailspin on the internet of like the uproar. Yeah. Like, you know, it depends what you believe. If you want to practice really traditionally where you have to do like a whole purification session, please feel free. That's your go do it. That's, that's what you do. But to give you something that I do as I've just been doing it, didn't even know it had a name. Um, I always use an incense stick and I cleanse. I have two beautiful Hikate statues. When I brought them home, the first thing I did was cleanse them and anoint them to show her the utmost respect. Mm-hmm. I cleanse the offerings that I give. Um, if I'm going to do a ritual now, I think sometimes what I do is a little bit different because I actually work within sacred rituals and things like that. Given that I am a high priestess for King Hades, I sometimes do have to take a cleansing shower and cleanse myself to make sure if I'm going into a ritual, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to have my yoga sweat on me or my exercise sweat to go into the day, but it depends on what you're doing. Correct. It depends so, on what you're doing. You see ritual purity, cleanliness, not only in Hellenism and 
you know, it's it's very much become a hill for people to die on. But like you look around and you see that in other belief systems, I mean, you walk into a church, what's the first thing on your left or right? Uh, holy water to anoint yourself. Right. And it's found like it's not called miasma, but it's found in my Italian folk practice where first and foremost, cleanliness spiritually and physically is important. Like I'm not going to do a ritual on my half eaten Dorito chips on the floor. Like that's not allowed in my practice. No saint would probably answer my petition and depends on who you're working with. You know what I mean? Um, even if you're going to do, go do a spell, I highly recommend you cleanse yourself. Like that is always wipe down that countertop, you know? Yeah. If you have a statue, you know, cleanse the statue. Like, uh, the Vestal Virgins, uh, a certain day of the year, they would sweep out the temple and put it in the Tiber river. So like, if you want to do cleanse your altar, you know, change it out, throw it in the trash, you know, say, thank you so much. You know, cleanliness is next to godliness. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's just gotten like this weird turn of like events. And I'm like, why is this becoming such a, I just wash your hands and use an incense stick. And I guarantee you, you're going to be okay. Okay. Just don't worry about it. Also (laughs) how somebody practices, whether it is super orthodox or super ancient based versus more modernized and, you know, quote unquote reformed in a sense let the people be, you know? Yeah. Oh, I get it. Um, <laughs> Damn. <laughs> like I said, it also depends on what you're doing. Like if you're, exactly. you know, if you're going <laughs> to go do some divination and you don't need to take a full purification bath, like it's okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, right. But if you want to do that too, yeah, so be it. It depends on what you believe. I think like what we always say here is like, what is your belief and what do you want to follow? Because there's so many different, like people look at Hellenism that needs to be done one way. You look at Catholicism, like I said, you have people doing the most. And then you have people like me who don't go to church on Sunday. I'm, I'm in Hellenism too. You know what I mean? I'm in Hellenism. I'm also working with petitioning saints because it's part of my practice. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to find like, I think respect in anything that you're going to do is key. You can't can't go wrong with like, cleaning things before you do it yeah. i don't know man it's wild but anyway we had to touch upon that because i think it's like a Ooh, it is a uh, hot, hot topic hot topic that is the parting of the red seas <laughs> it is okay shall i tell you about my necromancy story really quick before we round yes. out this episode yes okay, so let me tell you guys Ted and I came out with a necromancy line for the store and I'll, sh- I'll show you the products. If you're on YouTube or you want to see, um, they're launching Friday, September 1st. Um, we're launching a necromancy kit with actual legitimate modernized necromancy instructions. Mm-hmm. Now I am telling you this because I want to tell you my story of necromancy today of what happens when I practice Greco-Roman necromancy today. I had a little yes. snafu. Um, necromancer beware so anyway this is the candle it's called the acheron um for those of you that are getting the necromancy kit it actually comes with a petition that ten and i write in greek um based on cards we pull and we also channel king hades to customize your candle um to make sure we have the petition written correctly because you can't have necromancy without a chthonic god um we also have a necromancer oil so this is to assist you in your necromancy sessions um this is a protection oil. This is if, you know, this, this, this helps me today. I'll tell you my story. Um, it also, if you're getting the necromancy box, we'll have the broken pottery inside here with your petition written on it. So yes. it's completely custom and you will get, um, 
a little mini reading of like why we chose what we did. And you're getting a full blown instructional list alongside the Akron candle and King Hades candle. Cause you will need him to assist you. So you're going to be calling yes. upon him. We're going to walk you through the whole thing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> now, if you don't want the box, you will get the Acheron candle, but it's just going to be a spirit communication candle. Um, it's not going to, uh, perform Greco-Roman necromancy for you because no. it ain't going to open up the gates of hell, man. No, no. And, um, you can get the necromancer oil without the petition in it too. So if you don't want the kit, these two things will be available separately. They're only going to be sold to the end of September because of the nature of these items that we have here, um, oh my gosh, are not yeah. going to be available all year. Like this is just few and far between. Yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's lot. a lot and it's a lot for us to do. Um, that's why we do it. So I would suggest the necromancer box is not for beginners. If you don't know what you're doing, if you um are scared or are afraid, I don't recommend the no. necromancer box. It's more of like an advanced. Yeah. For those of you that have been um interested in this or want to perform ancient necromancy, it's for you. Yeah. <laughs> I would say that because I'll tell um, I'll tell you my story. Is there anything else you wanted to add to that? Did I miss? Uh, no. Best of luck to those who get it. Like it is, it's Ooh. awesome. <laughs> um, Queen Persephone's candles also changing. Um, and we do have two new Italian folk items in the store: the Judas bath salt, which is for a cord cutting. Um, for those of you that have been through some crap with some people and need to snip some cords it comes with a custom ritual we have fortuna's um wheel which is an abundance bath ritual that's based in my time folk practice with a ritual all written out so um that's gonna all be the september fun. and then we have <laughs> sawin coming up oh yeah mystery boxes will be launching shortly after that so gird your loins, gird your loins. <laughs> all right anyway so let me tell you so i decided today would be the day that i try the acheron necromancy candle because i had to perform um an Oracle of the Dead reading that I do is part of my services with King Hades, which will only be available to the end of September. Um, and I decided to use the candle today instead of my whole process. So in this reading, it is a reading that brings forward your ancestors for your highest good. And today I was like, let me, let me use my Acheron candle. Now all necromancers know you need to be specific in greco-roman necromancy when you're calling a spirit forward because then oh yeah holy hell okay you need to know i it wasn't even my fault actually i think this is just something that they just wanted to do <laughs> i asked 15 times it was not my fault i swear <laughs> king hades was trialing this alongside of me because we're modernizing necromancy here okay <laughs> i lit this candle I went to go record my client reading. And when I tell you, it felt like a portal to the underworld in my room had opened. The energy I couldn't hear, I couldn't see anything. Okay. So I'm trying to commune with the Chthonic, spe specifically Hikate. And I'm like trying to ask her what's going on. And I can't, no one's answering me. Nothing. It feels like I had opened up the gates to the underworld. <laughs> and then I had realized, uh, and then I just felt like this huge surge of grief. And I'm not, this is not going to happen to you. I'm not trying to scare you guys from getting the box. Yeah. Um, but a lesson, if you will. We had not specified a single spirit to come forward. Nope. I had just said your <laughs> ancestor for your highest good. Well, there were a lot of them. There were a lot of them. And when I felt, it's like almost like crowd, because like think about how many ancestors you have. 
think about how many you have. <laughs> okay. So I had to literally end my recording and I sat here for just five minutes being like, I'm freaked out, man. I'm freaked myself out. It was a necromancer snafu. So I had to put my necromancy oil on. And the minute when I put this oil on, I was able to instantly hear Hikate again because she was, it was kind of like a tornado in my room. It felt like of just chaos. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Necromancer beware. I kind of feel like I had to experience this to understand what happens if you make a mistake in necromancy. Uh, Be specific. And we're going to write this down in the instruction, but have somebody in mind that you want to call forward. Um, It Mm -hmm. it can only be an ancestor. Okay. We're not calling upon some random spirit. You you don't get to call on Antonius. Okay. No, no, we're not calling Elvis Presley. No, no, no famous ghosts. No, (laughs) no, none of that. All right. Um, so restless dead, nothing. (laughs) I finally got it to stop. And I just was sitting there and I swear, I just heard Hikate go in the back of my room. I'm like, she really summoned me for necromancy and this is what we're doing. Really? You you should know better. (laughs) You should, you should know better. Anyway. Um, that was my necromancy story, but yeah, this will be available on September 1st. I had to share it. Um, but the box is going to come with completely written instructions and also disclaimers. See, I learned from my own mistake today of, it wasn't specific enough. A little Chelsea disclaimer. (laughs) Yeah. Chelsea's disclaimers. Um, you know, but like I said, we we're really excited to launch this. It'll be cool. And it's only going to be available to the end of September. You know, we're not, we're not selling necromancy candles all year round. That's crazy. That's that's preposterous. That's insanity. <laughs> you know how many petitions we have to write? You know how many words in ancient uh, in Greek I got to look up? You know, it's just a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> um. Anyway, that is our episode today. Did you want to add anything else? Is there anything we didn't discover? Oh no, just yeah. No, we're super excited to kick off spooky season, the beginning of September, and yeah. Don't forget to follow us on all forms of social media. Don't forget that we are the Chelsea and 10 from Sticks and Bones. Um, Yeah, like, comment, subscribe. What else do you guys want us to talk about down below? What are some crazy taboo things that will blow your family's mind this holiday season for icebreakers that you want us to talk about? Um, And yeah, we'll catch you guys next time. Oh, 10 did the the outro today. Okay. Oh my God. I was like, when do I step in for the like subscribe rate? She kept going. I was like, all right, go off queen. Oh, Pluto joined us for the end. Hi, Pluto. Oh, Pluto. He said necromancy mom. You summoned me? I am necromancy boy. He's a spooky boy. Okay. We'll see you next time. Bye everybody. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>